Hello, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Uh, so we and travelers from around the world uh, on different journey. Uh, so on this episode, we actually have Julie Connolly, and I actually know her personally from Vancouver, BC, Canada. Uh, we were both in the event production business. So I and uh, Julie actually owned the event space. Uh, really beautiful uh, ballroom, and I held up uh, one of uh, our watches, which is a community of Vancouver-based bloggers. And uh, 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 we both left Vancouver, BC, Canada to travel the world. Uh, I've been traveling with my wife and three kids. Uh, we've been, uh, we had to the Philippines, Hong Kong, Dubai, South Africa, and now we're exploring South America more in depth. Uh, so we've been to Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, French Guyana, and now we're actually in Suriname, of all places. And Julie uh, went the other way. She's been exploring uh, a lot of Asia and uh, beyond. And she's actually currently in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, a project called Travelers Clean Up. Uh, so we're going to be asking Julie a little bit about her uh, background uh, in terms of what um, prompted this uh, world tour with her family and uh, what really inspired her to uh, uh, start this new project that she's just started. Uh, so, Julie, uh, maybe you can introduce yourself uh, for the sake of the viewers and listeners. It's so nice to see you here, and it was nice. We did meet in the event world back in Vancouver. It feels like many moons ago now, and a uh, little bit of a different world. I'm a bit more relaxed at the moment, a bit more chilled in the event planning business. I, my name is Julie Connolly. I'm uh, an event planner by trade and an entrepreneur by and by choice. So I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, and I'm in the middle of projects at the moment. I sold a business, uh, the ballroom that you had your events at. I sold that in 2015. Um, I've been event planning ever since, and saw a window of opportunity to take off a little while for a little while before I start my I hope to do as soon as I get back home uh, in August and running. I've got four and a half year old twins and they'll be starting kindergarten in September when we get home. And so I'll get back to the business world and race because I don't think I'll ever hopefully fully join the rat race again, but, uh, but back to a different pace and, and back to a schedule. That's for sure. So right now we're traveling uh, Southeast Asia. We're just off of Bali in a little island called Gili Air, uh, which is connected to or close to Lombok. So it's not considered Bali anymore, but we've been traveling pretty close to three months now. We left near the end of February. We did a lot of Vietnam. We did Cambodia. We met some family back in Vietnam, so we went back into Vietnam and then Singapore, and now Indonesia. And then we'll continue on from here. Our next stop is back to Singapore for a little while, Malaysia, and then we'll end our trip in Thailand. Okay. So it sounds like a great journey, world, and I love it. And uh, the great thing is the price. <laughs> Everything is super cheap compared yes. to the Western world. Uh, so you can live like uh, king queens, quote unquote, uh, while you're traveling and really enjoying uh, the beautiful people, the beautiful culture, the beautiful food, um, um, beautiful sightseeing. Absolutely. 
So Julia, what prompted this trip? Uh, I mean, uh, it's one thing to be raising a family back in Vancouver, the twins, your husband, yourself, uh, but it's a whole other thing to be traveling around Southeast Asia for a few months. So tell us a bit about the etymology and what made you start. Uh, well, I would say that it's a little bit of what has made it to even consider is the fact that I traveled when I was young and single. Did too, didn't we? Right, you traveled when you were young before you had a family. Yeah. Yes, I did that exactly. Makes, yeah, yeah. That, I think that that is you to in worlds that we're in now and makes it a little less daunting of a task. And I traveled extensively when I was young, and the opportunity just sort of arose. In fact, actually, I remember the very first inspiration um I was considering writing a book and my cousin said after I sold my business oh you could write a book on a beach in Thailand and I went oh, yes I can <laughs> yes I can <laughs> and um and my kids aren't of school age so I don't have to consider I don't have to consider homeschooling although of course we do reading and we do you know we do lots of educational things all day every day truly is a fantastic education but I didn't have to worry about schooling so I just figured this is the moment when we can take off before we're we're grounded 12 years once they hit school I still believe we'll be able to travel when they're when they're in school as well in more of a full year international school somewhere um but for now, it was it was a window of opportunity, and I seized it. It with uh, oh hey, let's go traveling, and we went. It took a year of planning and getting it organized, and we moved out of our house. We've we've um, rented our house out on Airbnb, and that's a colossal job getting ready when you've got two little kids and figure out how to and you know two working parents and still clean your house up enough so that you can stage it for pictures at least planning involved but but the moment the moment showed itself to us and we we took it awesome uh, so i'd love to hear a little bit more about the things like uh, you know you decided to rent out your house uh, if you're doing it on an airbnb uh, how do you actually manage it remotely do you have a property manager back in vancouver bc canada or are you trying to do it uh, through the web uh, through the web, in the web space? I'm managing the communication with the clients myself, uh, but we do have family on the ground who are helping us with all of the. Um, you you need somebody there. You have to have somebody. You know, a tap suddenly stopped working. Strange things like our radiator, our heater stopped working in one of the bedrooms on the first night of one tenant arriving. In the 17 years we've lived in that house, the radiator has never stopped working. <laughs> so things come up and you have to have somebody there. So we're very fortunate that we have family and, um, and they're able to help us out. And it's minimal. One thing that I find that was really beneficial to do for us uh, was that we started with a, I think we started with the 30-day. Actually, our very first posting on Airbnb was a 60-day minimum. And then I didn't get any bites. So after that, I put it down to 30 days. And our first bite was seven weeks. And our second one was a five-week tenant. 
And then eventually I had filled up almost all the space, but I had a week between. So each time I, I needed to, I, I reduced it. But in total, I think we've got five months over the five months that we're away. So there's very little move in, you know, check in and check out that we have to handle. And that makes a big difference. It makes it quite a bit easier when you've got the same person in there for seven weeks, you make sure they're settled in and they're happy. And then, you know, you check in three weeks later and say, Hey, haven't heard, you know, how's it going? And that's, that's it. So there's not a ton of management uh, to deal with if you don't have it flipping over every single night. And also it's not um, inconvenient or a, a burden to our neighbors. We're really close with our neighbors. Like they'll text us and say, "Oh, just moved into your place. Did you know their movie crew? Are you are you are they filming something in your house? You might want to know about." Uh, but they were a shock crew, and it was all good. And so it's nice to have our neighbors keeping watch. But at the same time, it's nice to do them the favor of not having a new face every one to two days. I think that that is what ends up being the problem with Airbnb or that type of rental across the world really it's a challenge so and it's really easy it turned out to be quite easy for us to find long-term tenants anyway uh, some great tips about airbnb uh we uh used to do airbnb uh, back in our hometown as well and uh, uh i'm glad it worked out for you because i found for us like uh there was a lot of like vacancy and it was hard to fill up and uh, uh, I'm glad you did the longer term as well because they had a lot of requests for short term, one or two days and obviously it's a lot harder to manage it, to clean it up obviously, uh, to change mm. the sheets and put uh, new soap and shampoo and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm glad it's working out for you and uh, see that's one way you're financing your trip by getting the, the rental uh, income uh, ongoing. Uh, tell us a little bit about other ways you actually finance a trip because I find a lot of our viewers and listeners, they find, uh, they, they say that's the biggest struggle, the money side of things and the side of the time. How did you figure out the income side of things? Well, if I so bold as to say that time are your biggest issues, the truth is that is your biggest issue. Because once you believe that it's possible, Art and make it work. As soon as you this is possible and doable, then you'll figure out the puzzle pieces that will work for you in your life to bring it together. You know, we have challenges because we have small children. So, okay, so, so for example, a barrier uh, for us leaving could have been my house in order to rent it out right to get people to rent it out and then all of a sudden one day I real because you've got two four-year-olds anything I put in a box the minute they find a box they're just pulling it out of the box and throwing it all over the place and oh my god you know and then the box itself is fascinating these are these are they could be blocks um, and instead you know what what happened for me was one day I realized I only have to have one room clean at a time to take pictures. So uh, the day that I really, yeah, the day that I realized I only had to have one room clean per day <laughs> and take a bunch of pictures and then, and then you can come home and mess it up as much as you want. 
it was a glorious day for me. It changed the entire game. I didn't have to empty. I didn't have to stage my house. When you're selling your house and you've got people walking through, you've got to stage your own. So things like that come up along the way. So practical things for the way we did it was, um, uh, you know, I sold my business. So there, there was some help there. It wasn't in the end after I, um, attempted to write a book for a while and stayed home. And then I also, uh, made some investments. Um, there wasn't really, um, enough to cover this whole trip. So the Airbnb made a huge difference. It was able to cover pretty much. It covered our Vancouver expenses and our flights. Um, and then, you know, sometimes, well, sorry, Ricky. Um, sometimes when I would get, uh, concerned about you know what happens if I actually go into debt do I really want I'm not comfortable with debt I've gotten out of debt I've been in debt in the past and I've managed to get myself out of debt and I'm you know everybody's eager to take on more debt but then a friend of mine said to me yeah you know I hear you what do you really value here like is that is this something that you could figure out how to pay off, you know? And I, and I, yes, the answer was yes. I can figure that out. I'm, I've gotten to a stage in my career now where um, when I decide to work and when I work hard, I'm, I'm able to make a decent income and, and I could probably get out of debt quickly. And so I've allowed myself breathing room here. I've allowed myself to say, okay, you know, I'm not, if I, if I don't uh, break even at the end of this, it's okay. Because it's really important to me. Uh, it's an investment. It's like an education. You know, I had to take out student loans and I paid those off easily. And why? Simply because I believe I will. <laughs> Not because I have any big thing organized at the end of the whole trip that will make it go away. But I feel totally confident and comfortable for level of debt we decide to take on I'll be able to ease out of it nicely because of my belief level that makes sense what what you're saying is quite profound about the whole uh, belief side of things because a lot of times are uh, the objections aren't the real issue um, the the objections of time yeah. and money and school and and uh, safety and health. I, I think it's really the fears, the self-doubts, the insecurities. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because those are the stuff I had to break through to leave uh, Vancouver uh, to travel the world with three kids under five, which is uh, quite a feat. And uh, just traveling mm -hmm. uh, with kids is definitely, definitely, definitely a, a big feat. So uh, part of the reason we do these podcast interviews is to show that it's possible uh, for people at all different stages of the kids, whether you don't, whether you're empty nester, whether you're single or divorced or in a relationship or not, uh, whether you're a multimillionaire or not, uh, you can still travel the world. And most of our guests are actually not multimillionaires. Uh, most of them are just uh, middle class uh, people who have uh, made their travel dreams come true. So if they can do it on a middle class income, uh, so can you. Uh, Ricky, I did it far less than middle class when I was young, let me tell you. <laughs> I did it on a shoestring <laughs> budget. I worked my way around the world when I was in my 20s. I waitressed and I taught English and I did whatever I needed to do and I always made it. 
And sometimes it was by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And, you know, sometimes it was a close call. And I'm like, one time I came home with 15 pence in my pocket. <laughs> but I got home. I made it home and everything was okay. And I wasn't starving. And I, you know, you just, you, it's, it's just like anything else in life. You, you're actually quite a bit more capable than, capable than you think you are. And sometimes I, I'll say that for myself. Uh, I've surprised myself at what I can handle in my life um, more often than not. And, you know, there's no question that traveling brings up new challenges. Look, life brings up challenges all the time. Traveling just brings up ones that aren't uh, in your everyday routine. You know, um, you're, I had plenty of fear just because I had no fear for ages while I was planning it whatsoever. We're going on a trip. People were saying, aren't you worried? La, 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 la. No, not at all. And then about two weeks before I went, I was like, actually, I think I'm terrified and I don't know what I'm doing. And by that point, it was too late and we were going. And then um, the minute I arrived in Vietnam, which I'd never been to before, uh, and not a lot of people spoke English. And, um, you know, when you arrive in Ho Chi Minh, which is one of the craziest cities I've ever been in and I've been in a lot of cities uh it, it, the traffic and the driving and I mean the drive the, it's I've never seen anything like it and I was with two little kids and how are we going to cross the street it was a big feat and then you find the rhythm of where you are and once you're there it truly is here than you Okay, let me put it. It was truly much easier than I thought it was going to be. That we haven't had trap, you know, we haven't had trials and tribulations along the way because we have. But my fears were greater than the reality, and that's more often than not that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the whole uh, shoestring thing, too, because there's definitely ways they can travel on the cheap uh, around the world. I mean, uh, I did it in my 20s as well. I traveled to uh, almost 50 countries uh, as a backpacker. Wow. I was doing couch surfing. Yeah. I was uh, couch surfing in people's couch. Yeah. I think I stayed in 50 or 60, 50 or 60 different uh, homes uh, just to sleep on the sofa <laughs> of a, a generous soul. Uh, I did a, yeah. a backpacker hostels, dormitories, um, sleeping wherever, uh, in uh, sleeping bags, camping, etc. Uh, and yeah, same as you, working my way around the world. So doing teaching English in Japan and then working holidays in Australia, England, etc. So, uh, but even yeah. as, a, as a, a married uh, husband and father, we still figure out ways to do it on the cheap as well. I mean, we do travel blogging, which gets us sponsored hotels and accommodation and sightseeing and transport and food. A lot of people do travel hacking, which uh, uh, allows them to use their points, their miles, uh, to get the cheap yeah. uh, hotels and very yeah. cheap flights, uh, as low as under 100 US across the Pacific and the Atlantic. So you can definitely do it uh, as long as you believe that you can. So uh, exactly. don't want to... Over overemphasize that as well. Uh, definitely believe, yeah. believe, believe, and you will be able to make your travel dreams come true. You mentioned the struggles, the challenges of uh, traveling with twins. Um, how yes. is it? And how many people ask you, are they twins? Yes. They're four and a half years old. Boy and girl. Yeah. I, and I get asked all the time. Constantly. Oh, no, no, no. I was saying, how I would ask Sorry, you, how many are they people twins? Ask me? Are they yeah. twins? 
constantly, you know, it doesn't bother me. I really, some people get annoyed by that and they want to, you know, write a t-shirt as their twins. No, they're not identical and answer all the typical questions. But in Asia, um, boy, girl, twins, I mean, every person lights up your boy girl to that's so lucky i can't believe you and they're just rock stars we walk around like you know that i've it's unbelievable how beautifully my children have been treated you know what i feel like i have support from every other adult um local adult here so when we go to get out of the taxi in Vietnam, every single taxi driver got out of the car and then picked my children up and took them out and put them on the street for me. You know, every, everywhere we went, they're constantly, they're given gifts there. We go to a restaurant, one restaurant that we went to, Ricky, where were we? In, in Vietnam, uh, in Hoi An, the waitress <laughs> fed my daughter her entire spoon fed her the entire meal, put a napkin around her neck and stood there and fed my daughter the whole meal. I was like, I'm in heaven right now. I can't believe you. You really feel a sense of community when you're with children. And I don't, you know, when we arrived, I was terrified of, I was terrified the strong word, but I was very cautious about, and I'd warned them very much about it always keeping us inside and being really close and and instead we were just greeted with joy and love and appreciation and a community all around us of beautiful people who are helping me take care of my children everywhere I go it's amazing it's an amazing thing fear is gone I don't have that fear anymore <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the flip side. Uh, what are the struggles? I mean, obviously, that they're like kind of like the toddler stage where they fight a lot and they probably still throw a few tantrums here and there or everywhere. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about the struggles and everywhere. there. You know, Ricky, I often think about you traveling with your three kids and and their ages, and um, you know, you're 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 up against a little bit more than I am. I'd have to say, four and a half is a great age. One of your, your eldest is about the same age or even older, five, right? You have a five-year-old now? She just Yeah, I have a five-year-old daughter. I have a three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old son and a one-year-old yeah. baby. And actually, the baby's easy uh, because all, uh, all my wife is year old. The three-and-a-half-year-old three half is a tough one. Your, you run for your money, yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah, that's why I'm getting more gray here. Yeah, yeah. Two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half is difficult for us uh, times two. At three-and-a-half, I'll tell you, Ricky, at three and five months, you might've experienced that with your daughter, but it really changed and it actually got better. So for us now at four and a half, um, it's pretty, I'm, I hesitate to say easy, but it's pretty easy <laughs> in the sense that, you know, they, they, they walk a lot of places here on the island that we are, there's no cars. So we have bicycles here and we've got car seats or bike seats for them. So they don't have to walk everywhere and it's a small town, but I, I, ha I do carry them a lot, I have to say. I have them a lot on my back. And I sort of feel like I've, I've carried children around Southeast Asia now. Like, I, I carry them more than I probably should. But um, strong now. So I don't feel it. It's not actually an effort to carry them as often as I do because I'm so used to it. But I don't deal with very many tantrums anymore. Um, I have 
I have a very, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word strict one bite rule, but I have um, a sincere one bite rule. So my rule with the kids for eating, because that's a big challenge if you're traveling with children, uh, is getting them to eat food, anything at all. And so I did this back in Canada. I've always done it with them. I have a one bite rule. If you don't like it, you do not have to finish it. I will not force you to eat something that you don't like. But I always ask her uh, that you have one bite rule with an open mind and that you swallow it. Eat the whole thing. Don't try not to spit it out. But I only ask them to do it with things that I think taste good. So I won't make them have a one bite rule for things that I don't like. But if I know that it's delicious and it's a new fruit that they've never had or it's, you know, as a result of the one by rule, my daughter loves octopus. And I'm not talking deep fried calamari. I'm talking octopus. <laughs> she loves octopus. She loves prawns. Um, they, you know, they love fish. They've, they've opened their mind to a lot of different foods. So it makes eating on the road quite a bit better. And again, four and a half is a decent age. I really like, I really like this age. I think that we've traveled well. Now, having said that, we've had some health problems. You want to know what the challenges are? Um, uh, there have been a few things. The biggest thing was that I uh, contracted pneumonia and had a collapsed lung. So that was our biggest challenge. That one lasted about, um, 11 probably 13 days and uh we luckily were in singapore where we had outstanding medical care and also my cousin happens to live in singapore so we were expecting to spend one, one night in singapore and instead we spent 11 days in singapore because they didn't want me to fly with the collapsed lung so that was tough um my daughter had uh um urinary tract infection which I can tell you was a big challenge because that meant that we were going to the bathroom every five minutes in really not the most beautiful bathrooms you've ever seen in your life. And it was recurring. So we've, we've had to deal with that, but that she seems to be completely fine from that now. And uh, a lot of people, you know, I was very concerned about traveling Southeast Asia with the peanut allergy. So far it's been good. We've been, you know, we just ask um, in countries like Vietnam where they don't speak English very well. We just had it up on our Google Translate as well as we learned how to say, you know, I think it was Dao Fu, Dao Fu, uh, and I would just go, eh, <laughs> Dao Fu in here, eh, he'll die, you know, <laughs> and, and that saved us a lot. And, and in Indonesia, everybody speaks English fabulously well. And in Cambodia, people spoke English beautifully as well. So we were able to communicate that quite clearly. Stay on top of asking in each new country because some things you, like pesto, for example, doesn't have peanuts in Canada or any other country you've been in, but in Indonesia it does. So you have to figure out things like that. Um, we've had other, we've, we've had, uh, food poisoning. I've had food poisoning a couple of times. I don't want to scare anybody away from saying these things, but look, this is the reality of traveling. Um, you're not healthy every single day. Uh, but you know what? I many times I've reminded myself that I'm not healthy every day in Vancouver either. And neither are my kids. 
and so um, touch wood, uh, we've been able to handle everything that has uh, come past us. Even the pneumonia with the collapsed lung, it actually sounds worse than it was. I did not feel good. I'm not saying that it was a joyride, but um, but it it sounds more dramatic. It was just a it was just a bad flu. If I hadn't gone to the hospital, I might not have known it was actually pneumonia. Um, just a bad flu, you know. So you you come up against these challenges. I think in anything, like with anything in life, if you keep a positive attitude and 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 care, one way to seek good medical care is to check your advisor. I'm a big fan of TripAdvisor. Now I rarely eat anywhere unless TripAdvisor tells me to eat there. <laughs> I only discovered that about a month ago, and some countries are better at food than others. And some countries you can go to any restaurant and enjoy a meal and in other countries you're struggling to find food that tastes good anywhere and if you just listen to TripAdvisor you can eat like a king and queen anywhere that you are um, and it same goes with medical facilities check the reviews you can they are not all created equal and listen to your instincts if you walk into a clinic and it doesn't look good and it's not clean turn around and find another one Some awesome suggestions, uh, Julie, and uh, you, uh, I'm glad you made it through those uh, health uh, predicaments. And uh, I think that's the reality of travel or also being at home, that you're going to go through health issues and concerns. So make sure you have good health insurance. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you yes. did uh, for, your, uh, for your time in Asia. We didn't. Uh, I'm really interested in this we project. We didn't get trip and... Sorry, one, one point. Sorry, Ricky. Yeah, we didn't ahead. get... Uh, trip interruption insurance. We got medical insurance, but mm. we didn't get trip interruption insurance. And I, it doing it again, I would definitely get trip interruption insurance because we had to miss a flight for being in the hospital. And um, to find a flight like my travel visa does cover trip interruption, but it turns out trips are defined as things that you only buy when you're in Canada. So the flight that I purchased from Singapore to Bali, I bought while I was in Vietnam and it wasn't covered by my visa trip interruption. So to do extended travel, it's worth, and it has only a few extra dollars, it's worth getting trip interruption. That's a tricky one as well, because a lot of us are traveling long-term, we don't actually buy all our, all our flights in advance unless you're doing like a, Around the world trip or something like that. I mean, yeah. uh, for me, I um, like when we're traveling, we actually buy like one country at a time because sometimes if you like the mm -hmm. country, we stay a bit longer mm -hmm. and we're a little bit more spontaneous. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit tricky with the uh, interruption uh, part of it. Then, if you can't uh, mm -hmm. apply it, if you don't actually buy it within Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But maybe I don't know. Maybe there's a way around that. Maybe you can. I, I don't know. That just happened to be from my visa. Visa, so it, I would look into it if if I had it to do again. I would look into it and see if I could get. Who's listening or watching, uh, and who's an expert or guru in the area of health insurance? We're definitely looking to interview someone about that because uh, that's something everyone who's traveling pretty much needs. I was going to ask you about your big project you launched called Travelers Cleanup. And uh, as you are listening or watching, you've probably been a beach, uh, in a beach and you've seen garbage everywhere. And 
probably have not done anything about it. And I'm guilty of that, um, you know. All right, uh, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, uh, technology is a bane of our existence as travelers. So I'm here in Suriname, and Suriname doesn't have the best Wi-Fi, so you often get booted off uh, like I did just now. Uh, so I'm just going to finish my comment. Uh, uh, travelers cleanup. So basically, uh, as you're traveling, or even in your hometown, you might have seen plastic bottles or plastic bags or bits and pieces or uh, loads of garbage on beaches and streets and sidewalks and everywhere. Um, and most of us don't do anything. Uh, we kind of just say, oh, that's so sad. Uh, but Julie, inspirationally, has done something about it. And I'm uh, uh, definitely inspired by what she has done and she is doing and wants to inspire others to do. So if you want to share a little bit about the history there of what made you start up uh, Travelers <coughs> Cleanup. Sure. So it's, a, it's really, it's, a, it's an infant project at the moment. I just launched it a week ago. Um, said, you know, how often have I sat on a beach and looked around and thought, oh, I wish someone would clean this up, it's such a mess. And the thought that follows that is, I didn't make the mess. And actually, I was speaking to someone today for his cleanup, and she said, do you think it's the travelers making the mess? And I was like, it's so irrelevant who's making the mess. It's Mother Earth. We're all here. We're all on it. And I can tell you where I am right now, and absolutely tropical paradise, hilly air that had 10 years ago had places to stay on it. And now you can't, there's no stretch of beach um, without beach chairs, without being settled by travelers and whatnot and foreknown, it's a lot foreknown. So to say that travelers aren't making the mess and yet this probably was a spotless place not that long ago, or at least highly uninhabited. And we are all one family. We're all one family of humanity, and this is our home. Wherever you're from, wherever you look, it's, it's my home, it's your home. This is Earth. This is our Mother Earth. And so the other day I was just lying there, you know, on a beach and thinking, why, why didn't someone clean it up? And I went, well, why don't I clean it up? So uh, I actually uh, stumbled across um, some locals here, some dive shops here who do an organized cleanup. And since I was with the kids, in the moment that I had the thought I was in a restaurant and I asked the restaurant for a garbage bag and I said, come on kids, let's go clean up the beach. And to be truthful, got some resistance from my kids they didn't want to do it cleaned up before and they didn't really they were they had they were a bit confused by it I decided to just put it as for that day I knew that there was this dive shop um seven seas on Gilier that does 
an organized cleanup every Friday at five o'clock. And Seven Seas is a wonderful place. We're staying here and they're a wonderful dive shop as well. Clean up, And so do a whole bunch of businesses on the island. So I thought that was an easy way to ease my kids into it, have a group of people do it. You know, um, there's a lot of spirit in that. But then it just starts the trend and it's a really easy thing to do beyond that. So they provided us with some bags and we walked along the beach and we only did it for 20 minutes, a whole bunch of garbage. And we found some big piles of garbage that were a little insurmountable, you know, my God, we can clean up that whole thing. Maybe not today, but we can trend. Now this is not a new idea, Ricky, since I, you know, you look online and Actually, the first thing that I found when I looked at Traveler's Cleanup, the sad thing was that when you when you just search for Traveler's Cleanup, other people cleaning up the mess that travelers actually have left behind, because it does happen, especially at large festivals, where you just go and take over town and, and debauchery and then leave everything behind. But I started a Facebook page called Traveler's Cleanup. So it's a Facebook group, it's easy to join the challenge the uh, idea is to do a little cleanup yourself take a picture and it's as easy as asking your restaurant for a garbage bag and walking out and picking things up we didn't use gloves because we were on the beach and everything was out of the ocean and the salt water had cleaned it up and we were careful not to pick up anything organic that you know that that gets a bit you don't want to pick up things that are filled with bacteria um, and if you do, you know, it's very easy to throw a couple of latex gloves in your bag uh, when you're traveling and take those with you. Sometimes we even have those in our first aid kits. They're easy to grab. So, you know, you have to be careful. You have to um, take care of yourself and not take any risks. But at the same time, let's all get real about how easy it is. Imagine, imagine Ricky and anyone else listening. Imagine the human kinetic power that we have. We're, we're working so hard to build technology to clean up the earth. We're working so hard to these fantastic ideas and it's happening. But how easy would it be every person on vacation spent 20 minutes in one week. Say you're on one week vacation. You spend 20 minutes and you clean up the beach. Imagine if every traveler did that the impact that it would have oh you're there for two weeks then spend another 20 minutes the impact would be colossal so i think it's an easy trend to start i think it's 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 a simple challenge i think there's a lot of great willed people out there who want to do this and just you know hadn't necessarily thought of it and why not have a bit of fun and take a picture and post it and inspire someone else to do it or tag someone else to do it or ask someone else to do it. I, I'm a little, little bit wary about, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not a fan of preaching, so I don't really want to inspire guilt tripping other people for not cleaning up. So let's definitely try and avoid that. But, um, but why not just do the easy thing and, and clean up our mother earth as a collective? Emily, let's just clean up this mess we've made. It's that easy to me, Ricky. It seems that easy. And if and if it caught on, wow, wouldn't that be wonderful? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at the pictures uh, on the Facebook group. They're definitely inspired. Um, I, I think a lot of fascinating. It's one of these things like, oh, uh, um, I don't know. There's uh, something about cleaning. It's dirty or uh, unhygienic or we don't want to do it unless it's a mess we made ourselves. So what about people like myself who just don't like cleaning but, but feel it's important to have it cleaned? So then get some tongs. It looks like you're in a place with a kitchen. Just grab their tongs and go do it. You know, it's, uh, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll uh, travelers clean up tong product and sell it <laughs> online and you can order it from Amazon or something. I don't know. I'm not there yet. And it's not important. It, I, I just think, you know, put on a glove, grab a pair of tongs, grab a garbage bag. It's just so much easier. It, it really, it's not a difficult thing. Yeah, I think uh, I think sometimes you have to think of uh, what's in it for you or what's in it for your kids, right? Because sometimes we we look at it like, oh, why should I do it? Because uh, shouldn't the locals do it? So, uh, how do you think of a, like a selfish reason for people to clean up besides like you know it's our Mother Earth, etc.? Well, a super selfish reason is I don't want to look at it. It's gross. You know where I'm there. There was where I'm sitting. We have the most incredible view. Bag floating around. And, the, and instead of looking at and the, the, the island in the distance and the turquoise water that's in front of you, just was staring at this plastic bag thinking, isn't it gross? Okay, well, how about I just go pick it up and get it out of the water and I don't have to look at it anymore. That seems to me to be a selfish enough reason. I think, I think hmm. the reason why I suggested that people take a picture and put it up online is because I think in this area doesn't hurt if it makes you feel good or, you know, if, if you get to show your friends that you're making a difference in the world by putting up a picture, then fantastic. You know, go ahead, post as many pictures as you want of it. That's what you need as a motivation. But really, I, I think the motivation is humanity did this and it's awful and it's killing our oceans and it's killing our fish and life would just be so much better with it cleaned up all of our lives would be so much better with it cleaned up and it's so easy i can't keep stressing that it's so easy go pick it up like clean up your room go clean up your room this is our room Oh, that's good. You're challenging me. You're challenging me. You might just see a picture I, uh, of me and my kids. Uh, <laughs> please. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. We've seen it all along a journey like Asia and South America. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not as developed as like North America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, you know, those countries who kind of get the whole idea of like uh, if we make up a, uh, like one of the most shocking moments for me was when I was in actually South Africa in Jeffreys Bay, which is actually the surfing capital of the world. And the beaches, uh, they're nice and people surf. But if you just walk um, 100 meters away from the beach, and uh, we're walking just literally like shattered glass everywhere, because what happens is people would drink their beer bottles or their uh, yeah. any kind of bottles, and they would just like smash them, smash them, smash them. So we were literally walking through a minefield of uh, broken glass, and I was just like, 
uh, so saddened by it, uh, but I was just how how what can we do here? Because like it's almost too overwhelming to see all this broken glass that the government doesn't do anything about it, uh, and just because some people have done it, people just keep doing it, and it feels like almost like an unsurmountable uh, challenge. Well, you know what? Um, many years ago, uh, there was a study in New York called the, um, the broken glass uh, theory. And I'm not getting exactly right, but I'll give you the gist of it. And typically what, what they discovered was, you know, in the Bronx and in all these places where everything was just a mess, and New York had so much crime and so much graffiti, and it was really in a bad state. And, and it, you know, today's New York is very different from the New York in the 80s. reasons is because they discovered this broken glass uh, theory. And that is that if you have a place that's already dirty, then people will just keep adding to it. Well, it's dirt. You just add, you just, you know, your, your windows are all broken. So why not put graffiti on the walls? Um, and this, I, I know it in my own home. As soon as I read about this theory, I saw it in my own house. If my bedroom's a mess, then when I take some, you know, a scarf off, I'm just going to add it to the mess. It's spotless. I'm much more likely to put that scarf away. So they cleaned up New York. They just went about and cleaned and cleaned and broke, or fixed the broken windows, cleaned up the graffiti and cleaned it up. And as soon as you have a neighborhood that's clean, people want to keep it that way. Um, for inspiration on, on, the, on the Travelers Cleanup Facebook group is um, yeah, who had the exact same... Um, feeling that I have right now the beach was worse than anything I've ever seen and I've seen a fair few bit of messes this was unbelievable in India so he just started cleaning up and he inspired other people and other people and other people and next thing you know the locals the everybody this this beach you'll be blown away Ricky if you haven't clicked on it already it is unbelievable how bad it was I think it was something like, I'm going to get the numbers wrong completely, but the number of tons of garbage that they removed, I believe was in the millions of tons of garbage, like really phenomenal amount of garbage they removed. And now it's spotless and, and people are using that beach every day and they're keeping it clean. And that's exactly the goal here if we clean up these messes because I can tell you as soon as I go out and clean up I can feel other people going oh yeah that, that's not a bad idea that's kind of good and I can see locals are cleaning up here and I can, and this, sorry not because of me are they cleaning up but I can see that they're putting an effort into it and they're putting an effort into it because there have been other cultures that have come here and said a clean environment is something that's valuable and so it catches on and it makes a difference. It really does. Have a look at that link on Travelers Cleanup. It's worthwhile. You can see the possibility. It shows succinctly the possibility. Awesome. Uh, definitely super inspiring. Uh, you know, not only your travels, but also the fact that you make a difference and impacting the communities that you're uh, visiting. Uh, so, Julie, uh, if people wanted to connect with you, find out, maybe ask you questions about how the heck are you traveling with these two kids? Uh, under five and uh, uh, you know uh, maybe you can share with the group as well uh, how can they connect with you online 
the best way would be to go to Travelers Cleanup, the group. Um, my event planning company is called uh, Carte Blanche Events, which is C-A-R-T-E-B-L-A-N-C-H-E Events. So you can also go to Carte Blanche Events and message me there. Um, but in terms of traveling, the best way to connect with me, and I would love it if anybody out there took the challenge that's listening to this and, uh, and did a little cleanup themselves, a quick little 20-minute cleanup, and sent me a message about it, it would be fantastic. So Travelers Cleanup is the Facebook group. Well, I'm going to commit to it publicly on air on, you? uh, on YouTube, on Google Plus, and on uh, iTunes. I'm going to I'm going to uh, post a picture of uh, asking up uh, a beach, and uh, hopefully we can find a dirty area here in Suriname. But we'll definitely commit to uh, cleaning up something and posting. That would be so cool, already. That would be so nice. It's brand new, so we're really like it just started. So, so we need a, we need a little traction to get a little uh, a little flow going and start a trend. Well, hey, we've, uh, we have our, our, our hundreds and thousands, if not millions, of uh, viewers and listeners here on the Digital Nomad Pastry, uh, Mastery Podcast, so hopefully they'll be inspired to do something. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, you know, definitely an inspiring interview. Uh, make sure you connect with Julie. Make sure you join the Facebook group. And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. That really helps us. Uh, connect with us on YouTube if you want to move and watch these videos. And we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, make sure you make your travel dreams come true.